This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 1436, Having Fun in the Pit of Despair, part one by Steve Pavlina of stevepavlina.com, and I'm Justin Mollick. Happy Saturday, welcome to one of the only podcasts in the world where blogs are narrated to you for free with permission from the authors. It's an award-winning podcast, thanks to you. Before we get to it, I'd like to tell you about Majuri, spelled M-E-J-U-R-I. They're changing the narrative that's existed around fine jewelry for hundreds of years, namely that fine jewelry can be yours without the traditional markups. It makes for a great gift. I'll share more about that and some of their beautiful designs later. Or you can just treat yourself right now. Go to majuri.com old for free shipping on orders over $100, spelled M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash O-L-D, majuri.com slash old. Now let's jump right into our post and start optimizing your life. Having Fun in the Pit of Despair, Part 1 by Steve Pavlina of stevepavlina.com. Many spiritual teachers advocate the principle of detachment, which means being unattached to outcomes. The reasoning is that attachment to outcomes creates unnecessary suffering. Life is full of surprises, and if you become overly attached to specific outcomes, you're likely to create extra stress, frustration, worry, and disappointment for yourself. So why bother with this needless suffering? Dispassionate detachment is a popular idea, especially in Buddhism. It claims to help people transcend neediness and clinginess if they practice this principle enough. But for many people, it's impractical to consistently apply this principle in real life. On one level, it seems clear to me that people suffer some emotional distress when they become overly attached and clingy to specific outcomes. I've received dozens of emails from people asking me how they can capture and secure a specific relationship partner who doesn't reciprocate their feelings. I've also received abundant emails from people asking how they can let go of such clinginess because it's eating them up inside and they really wanna stop obsessing. I've had my own challenging lessons with attachment to deal with, especially in my first several years as an entrepreneur. I set specific and measurable goals and I became attached to them. I grew increasingly frustrated when I had to deal with setbacks. I tried not to let the setbacks bother me, but they did. Even when I did achieve my goals, the stress created along the way made the accomplishments feel bittersweet. I tried the Buddhist approach and found that it gave me some temporary comfort, but the results were inconsistent. On the one hand, it helped lower my stress levels for a short time, but on the other hand, If I didn't care enough about my goals, I often felt like I was using meditation and detachment as justifications for laziness and procrastination. Practicing detachment actually increased my stress in the long run because it postponed real growth and progress. I felt better when I confronted my challenges head on, regardless of how attached I felt to the outcomes. I'd often experience a queasy feeling in the pit of my stomach while practicing detachment, and that became one more feeling I wanted to transcend. Detachment, had all the telltale signs of a partial match, so I knew there had to be a better approach. Moreover, I didn't like feeling so aloof. It was just too Vulcan for me. It made me wonder, why bother doing anything at all? I might as well sit around doing nothing. This practice encouraged me to check out of real life and to ignore my goals and ambitions. Why bother helping people? Why bother writing? Why bother living? None of it matters anyway. Swami Vivekananda, a Hindu Vedanta evangelist, stressed that any good philosophy should satisfy our reason as well. The Buddhist notion of detachment failed this test for me. It didn't satisfy my reason, and it didn't feel intuitively right to me either. 
exaggerating attachment. My eventual solution and one that has served me well for years was essentially to do the opposite. Instead of stepping back into detachment, I stepped further into attachment. I adopted a more playful mindset and looked for ways I could increase and exaggerate the feeling of attachment. More Klingon, less Vulcan. This approach has worked beautifully. Some friends have been staying at my house for the past few weeks and we occasionally play the game Carcassonne together, a competitive strategy game. If I practice the Buddhist version of detachment, the game isn't as fun. If I don't get attached to the outcome, then what's the point? The degree of fun depends on how attached the players are to the outcome. So instead of trying to step back and be detached and objective, I immerse myself in the necessity of victory and the horrible threat of defeat. Sometimes I'll say things like this to my friends as we begin a game. I subscribe to the gold Ducat standard of victory, so my goal isn't just to defeat you. A true victory is to make your enemies see that they were wrong to oppose you in the first place, to force them to acknowledge your greatness. Occasionally, I'll quote the Princess Bride, quote, your ears you keep, and I'll tell you why, so that every shriek of every child at seeing your hideousness will be yours to cherish. Every babe that weeps at your approach, every woman who cries out, dear God, what is that thing, will echo in your perfect ears. That is what to the pain means. It means I leave you in anguish, wallowing in freakish misery forever, end quote. You can imagine what effect this has on my friends. On the mild side, it elicits a collective groan. Sometimes it encourages them to gang up against me. Either way, it raises the stakes of an otherwise mild-mannered activity. When I express my attachment to winning, my friends become that much more attached to my defeat. This has the effect of making the game more emotional and immersive. If one of them wins, they relish the win that much more. But if I win, it's all the more glorious a victory. Suffice it to say that I'm no stranger to having both expletives and game pieces hurled at me. As I see it, this is just my opponent's way of acknowledging that they were wrong to oppose me in the first place. When I lose a game, I don't try to pull back from disappointment. I wallow in it. I curse my foul luck, reanalyze the critical moves, and grudgingly congratulate the victor. I allow the defeat to sting, and I vow vengeance at the next rematch. Of course, I know that the outcome of a game of Carcassonne doesn't actually matter, but I practice this kind of overattachment for two key benefits. First, it makes a relatively mundane experience so much more lively and fun. Second, this practice helps me have more fun and avoid unnecessary stress when the stakes are higher. To be continued. You just listened to part one of the post titled Having Fun in the Pit of Despair by Steve Pavlina of stevepavlina.com. And as I mentioned before, Majuri makes handcrafted fine jewelry that you can wear every day. They have timeless pieces if you're going for a classic look or fun designs if you're looking for statement pieces. And check out the fair pricing section on their product pages. It'll show you how much you'll save by avoiding the traditional markup prices. A diamond ring that's easily over $500 at a traditional retailer is less than 200 at Majuri, but not because they're cutting corners. I give it as a gift and got to see the packaging it came with, including a custom note that I was able to write. It looked really classy. I was so happy with it, really impressed. One of my favorites from their collection is a diamond solo ring that you can get for yourself or get with a friend to use as a friendship ring. You can follow them on Instagram or sign up to view their latest designs, or you can just treat yourself right now. Go to majuri.com old for free shipping on orders over $100, spelled M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash O-L-D, majuri.com old. Thank you to Steve. I'll finish the rest of this post for you tomorrow. This one is super interesting to me because I've always heard about detachment 
and how it can help manage expectations, which then helps with unnecessary suffering, basically the Buddhist approach as he described, but never heard the opposite approach. So I'm curious where this will go tomorrow. And on that note, I'll leave it at that. Thank you for being here and listening every day, including the weekends, and I'll be back tomorrow to finish up this post where your optimal life awaits.